Would you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4? Take out the sermon study guide. Follow along with me if you would this morning. Acts chapter 4 within God's Word. Amen. It, it, it was uh, a while back that we took a survey in our Sunday school. We surveyed our Sunday school kids to find out how they feel about love. About love. This is kind of like an Art Link letter, those of my generation. Art Link letter said, kids say the craziest things. And this is kind of like it. Um, we asked them about love. For instance, on what falling in love is like. John, age nine, said, it's like an avalanche where you have to run for your life. He didn't say it like that, but that's what he said. Concerning why love happens between two particular people, May, age nine, said, no one is sure why it happens, but I heard it has something to do with how you smell. That's why perfume and deodorant are so popular. On the role of looks in love, Brian, age seven, said, it isn't always just how you look. Look at me. I'm handsome, like, like anything. And I haven't got anybody to marry me yet. <laughs> we asked, when is it okay to kiss someone? Tammy, age 10, said, it's never okay to kiss a boy. They always slobber all over you. That's why I stopped doing it. <laughs> what most people are thinking when they say, I love you, Michelle, age 9, the person is thinking, yeah, I really love him, but I hope he showers at least once a day. I love this one. How do you make love endure? Dave, age eight, had the plan. Be a good kisser. It might make your wife forget that you never take out the trash. <laughs> I'm sorry, it never worked for me, Dave. <laughs> love, love. Our mountain movers faith emphasis. I'll tell you, it's all about being a loving church. In these seven Sundays, if you're new with us this morning, we have set apart, starting on August the 17th, all the way through to September 28th, we've set apart seven Sundays to be able to recall, review, what's our purpose as a church? Why are we here? What's this all about? Our first Sunday, we said our purpose is worship, and we had a praise celebration with the choir. Didn't they do awesome? What an awesome Sunday. Amen. Amen. The second Sunday, we emphasize the fact that our purpose is reaching, soul winning. And we anchored that purpose with the big give, the back to school, big give. And a multiplicity of souls were saved that very night. Thank you, Terry Denmark and team. What an awesome time. The back to school, big give. Praise the Lord. Last Sunday, our emphasis was the fact that we're not only a praising church, we're not only a reaching church, we're a discipling church. We're called to be disciples who make disciples. And we introduced to you our, our, our seven growth group leaders. And on Wednesday nights, for the next four Wednesday nights, we're having let's grow for it nights. And we're stretching the church in their faith. These are faith uh, experiences, not just classes, not just lessons, but faith stretching experiences. Because people learn best, not in pews, 
but in circles of relationship. And we appreciate Joe Pazillo and our leaders for making this possible. Today, today, today we're emphasizing the fact that Lakeside's called to be a loving church, a fellowshipping church. Fellowship. We're, we're anchoring that concept, that principle, our purpose. We're anchoring that with our homecoming Sunday out here, our fellowship luncheon, and our fellowship volleyball tournament. And pastor can't get ready. Uh, enough. I mean, look out. I, I'm going to speak a faith word right now. I mean, I, in fact, I don't need a lot of faith for this. My team's going to win. Okay? I mean, uh, you're going down. Any team coming against my, you're going down. Uh, just, uh, we'll talk about that a lot this morning. We're going to have some fun. Sure. Fellowship. Fellowship. My adult kids, for some reason, don't like that word. Fellowship. They laugh at me when I use the word fellowship. They think the word fellowship is old-fashioned, obsolete, antiquated. Fellowship. Yeah, and, and, and uh, that kind of goes along with the word every time they hear me say, come on, folks. Folks, the word folks and the word fellowship, they think is just so old-fashioned. In just, just about three weeks, I'm going to be doing my son's wedding ceremony. He's asked me to officiate his wedding ceremony uh, there in Southern California, and I've threatened that if he doesn't straighten up and still follow his dad's uh, guidance, that uh, at the end of his ceremony, I'm going to say, well, folks, we want to invite you to food and fellowship at the reception. <laughs> Don't you dare, Dad. Oh, I pushed his button real, real good. Yeah. Yeah, a fellowshipping church is a loving church, a loving team of Christ followers. This morning, I share a word with you I've entitled Team Lakeside. Father, in the name of Jesus, call us to be a loving, sharing, caring, bearing team, a fellowshipping church. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you're following along with me this morning, would you write this down? The greatest sign of God's presence in the first church was not, not the sound of a mighty rushing wind, flames of fire, or even tongues, but a loving church. A church marked by fellowship. Fellowship. Read with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where we find this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Can you say those two words? In common common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a word I want you to focus in on. It, it, it's the word right there in verse 42, fellowship. Fellowship. Lakeside's, Lakeside's call to be a fellowshipping church 
means far more than eating at a church potluck supper. By the way, we're not having potluck out here. It's a catered dinner. Uh, and uh, your church, your board, has decided to pay half of it out there. It's a pretty good deal. I've got a little note from the secretaries. See, they put a sticky right on my, make sure it says, for your information, lunch sold out. I'm going to make an executive decision. I can, I'm the pastor. I'm able to, if you want to come, come. We'll make a way. I mean, we're not going to exclude anybody this morning. And if you want to come to our homecoming uh, lunch, okay, just pay the ticket price. We'll go out to KFC or something or Burger King or Wendy's. We're going to make sure you eat. I don't believe that anybody needs to be excluded. So sign up back there. Blame it on me. I mean, uh, and, and blame it on me. We would love to have you be a part of that. We really would. Uh, but I want you to know that fellowship is more than just sitting down. A lot of churches think that the word fellowship means, uh, you know, a luncheon, a coffee clutch. I want you to meet, know it means far more than that. The Greek word that we translate into fellowship, the Greek word is koinonia. Koinonia, which means loving spiritual fellowship. It's a caring, sharing, bearing relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's being a spiritual family, more than a congregation. It's being a team with the same spiritual interests, commonality, one for all, all for one. It speaks of a common bond. And our common bond is not a constitution. It's not an organizational club charter. Our common bond is who? Jesus Christ, His blood, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts records, the book of Acts records that these early Christians, they grew spiritually because of their koinonia, their spiritual fellowship. The Bible records that the outsiders, the world, saw these people loving one another, being generous with one another, sharing with one another, having everything in common, and the world doesn't naturally come together. Think of it. Clubs, organizations, they're joined together on some common interest, but usually they're a passing fad, a passing trend. Situations like Amway, they're many brought together because of what they can get out of the situation. But God's people brought together, bonded together. The world, for the first time, saw a miracle. People brought together based on what they can do for one another and be for one another. They were other-centered instead of self-centered. It was an amazing miracle. The first miracle of Pentecost is people being born again, individual lives being transformed. The second most powerful miracle of Pentecost is the church, the church being birthed, the church being the body of Christ, a fellowship that is spiritual, caring, sharing, bearing with one another for the glory of God.
A key word, a key word for Christ's spiritual fellowship, the church is the word together. Would you write that down? We find the word together all through the book of Acts. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he loves using it, describing the church. Rather than an independent focus, these early believers had the sense of being God's team. God's team. Acts 2.44, all the believers were what? Say it like you mean it. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate with glad and sincere hearts. You think the Holy Spirit's trying to teach us something? We need to be together. God did not design the church for you to read your Bible and pray at home only. Think about it. He could have, but He didn't. He knows I need you. You need me to grow together spiritually. To come together for a common purpose. A common goal. I want you to know that there's a deep, profound, spiritual purpose behind the volleyball tournament today. I might be looking like I'm having fun out there. I might appear to be very competitive out there today. But I want you to know that I'm doing it all for a spiritual object lesson. I want you to be able to follow along with this spiritual object lesson that we're doing today with the volleyball tournament. You see, our church has been called together in the name of Jesus to be team. Team Lakeside. Acts chapter 2, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and one in mind. That's what makes a winning team. A winning team. You get a team divided. You get one guy on a team that hogs the ball the whole time in volleyball, and you've got problems. Now, my wife, she'll tell you. I'm not putting words in her mouth. She refuses to play next to me anytime we play volleyball. She always accuses me of hogging the ball. And then, then I just stand there and do nothing, and then she misses it, you know, and then, then, then she gets mad at that, too. Why didn't you help me out, you know? I, I love playing against an opponent in volleyball where the opposing team, there's one guy, one guy that thinks he's superstar. He's Michael Jordan to volleyball. He's God's gift to volleyball. And he tries to constantly play the ball. He hogs the ball. I can tell you, very, very soon what will happen next. Not only will they begin losing, that team will become divided. They're going to get upset with that guy. I love playing teams, by the way, that start arguing among themselves. Huh? Have you ever found that out in playing a game? They start, they, they, start, they start being divisive, and there's dissension, and uh, they're not following the, the main uh, team plan. Oh, I love that. If you can get them divided, boy, you've won half the battle. Just divide and conquer. Jesus spoke of this principle of division and unity. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Abraham Lincoln cited that scripture verse on the onset of the Civil War. Division. Unity. In the church, we call those church 
Not banana splits, church splits. I want you to know that uh, throughout my years of living and ministry, I've witnessed to the shame of the kingdom and the shame of Christ's church, various church splits, not just in our fellowship, but throughout the body of Christ. And I want you to know that it brings shame to the kingdom of God. It's an embarrassment to Christ's church and to a community when a church splits. It is Satan's number one, number one, number one on a, the item of his agenda for Lakeside Assembly of God. Were you aware of that? When you, many of you are involved in the 40 days of prayer, and I can't thank you enough. If you've not yet been aware of this, get involved. You know, uh, we just want to get people praying. If you missed out on the first 20 days, that's okay. Get involved. Pray now. Because number one on Satan's, the enemy's list for this church, is disunity, division, a split. He would love that. He can nullify and paralyze the work of God in a home, in a marriage, and in a church when he can bring division. I'm so thankful when I hear prayer warriors down here at this altar praying for God's peace, God's oneness, God's unanimity, for God's harmony, for unity here at Lakeside Assembly of God. Be aware of that. I love when I play volleyball. I love playing against an opponent, a team, who is not following their captain's directions. <laughs> oh, I sit back and laugh. Let me ask you something. What do we have when an orchestra does not have a conductor? What do we have when a ship does not have a rudder? What do we have when a compass does not have a needle? What do we have? Chaos. Confusion. Nothing works right. Number two, on the enemy's target list, outside of division in any local church or marriage, number two on the enemy's hit list is who? He's the guy with the microphone right now. I cannot thank you enough when I have talked to so many of you or I've received letters, postcards, emails, and you have said, Pastor, I am praying for you. I am interceding. So many times you have not known when you have said that, that I have been going through a battle. No one will ever know this side of eternity because I don't preach it and I don't share it. I'm very confidential. My board knows it. No one will ever know this side of eternity. The criticisms, the betrayal, the lies, down through the years, for any pastor that's moving forward preaching the full gospel has to deal with. I have so many that come to me, I wouldn't want your job. Well, you're not called. Pastor Ben has been called. Pastor Hal, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Randy, and your pastor, Pastor Chris, has been called. 
And there are times that the enemy will work through members in a church to discourage, to, to, to bring personal, to, to bring lies. God help us. But you have said to me, Pastor Becky, we're praying for you. And you know nothing that's going on. And we're propped up. I recognize every time I preach, I'm propped up by your prayers. A spiritual fellowship, a spiritual fellowship is not ignorant of how the enemy works, how the enemy attacks. A spiritual fellowship does all that they can do to retain the direction, the cohesiveness, the harmony, the, the peace, the unity of God's church. We don't sit back passively and just hope will be a church of unity. You must actively pray for unity in your marriage, your family, and your church. For the enemy is 24-7. 24-7. He is moving through criticism. He's moving through lies, through disloyalty and betrayal and hurts and disappointments to ruin God's house, the church, and spiritual leadership. It's amazing what churches split over. I, just like marriages that I deal with, troubled marriages, I usually trace it down to the most minuscule, petty issues. How many have known churches that have split over the color of the wallpaper or the color of the church carpeting? God help us. While the world is going to hell, while the world is in a handbasket going to hell, we're worried about the color of the church carpeting. It's like rearranging the furniture while the house is on fire. I'm glad to announce to you, and I don't say this in a haughty or an arrogant way, but a statement of fact, but with trust in the Lord. Lakeside Assembly of God is marked by blessed unity, oneness of mind. I thank the Lord that I'm able to lead such a church that allows me to lead, not a cattle driver, but a shepherd where I am able to hear from God and walk therein and you follow as in accordance to the biblical pattern and unto the Lord. For Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. I thank the Lord. If you're, if you're checking out Lakeside this morning, this is a church that's marked by marvelous unity. But as we go forward in a faith emphasis, as we go forward for a spiritual revival, a spiritual renewal, a spiritual building program, and a natural building program, the expansion of this church, phase four, we know, I'm not ignorant of the enemy's devices, he's going to attack and that's why I've led you in the seven weeks of prayer and fasting. It's our only hope in Christ Jesus, for the battle really is not ours. It is the Lord's. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Winning teams. Winning teams share common tactics, strategies. Winning teams share a common goal. My team today in volleyball is going to have one common goal. We want to win. 
We're not out there to make you feel good. I'm sorry. That's when I'm pastor. But out there, no, no, I'm, I'm teasing right now. I do want to win. Want to win. What's our common tactics, strategy, and goals as a church, as Team Lakeside? Our common tactics are these. That's why we're going to do tomorrow night with Frank Mistretta at 7 o'clock in the chapel. Our common, common, common tactic is prayer. Prayer has power. The place of prayer is power. A people of prayer are people of power. Amen? Uh, a praise and worship is a tactic. Proclaiming the gospel, the word has power. It's a tactic. Our strategy, faith. We can't do anything by faith. And the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Our goal is God receiving all the glory. Our goal is winning souls, making disciples for the glory of God. I'm talking about Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside. Yes, we need to be marked by unity, but here's a mouthful. Here's a mouthful for you. We need to be a church of unity in the midst of diversity. We need to be a church of unity in the midst of diversity. Today, playing volleyball, there's going to be those that are great at spiking. Today, playing volleyball, there'll be those great at serving. There'll be those that know how to do those setups. By the way, set me up. Set me up. I like to spike. <laughs> set me up. Yeah, each has a part. Let me ask you a question. A brand new family is interested in Lakeside Assembly of God. They're unchurched. They're not born again. They find out about us through our church website. We're hearing that a lot lately. Our church website, which is maintained by our church secretaries, they call the church for more information, and they're met with a cheerful voice on the other end. It's our church receptionist. They intend to check us out on a Sunday, and they're met at the front door by one of our lakeside greeters. They're escorted in by one of our ushers. They're cheerfully welcomed by one of our hostesses. They're seated by another usher in a pew. They enjoy the worship and the praise of the praise team, the choir, the ministry of this grand praise choir and team softens their heart to receive the word of the Lord. The pastor faithfully preaches and proclaims the full gospel. The full gospel. While the pastor is preaching, their little babies are being watched over in the nursery, but not babysat. My wife, who directs our nursery ministries, refuses to be a babysitter. In there, they instill the Word of God in prayer over our little lambs. While this young family is in service hearing the pastor preach, the children are in Sunday school. Then they go to kids' church. They find out about kids' fine arts. They find out about kids' Bible quiz. This family has a teenager that is able to experience our middle school service and find out about the youth ministry at large. During the service, the pastor has people shake hands and greet one another, learn names and, and love up on one another, and they can't get over how loving the congregation is. The pastor gives an invitation for people to get right with God. Guess who lifts up their hand? Long story short, 
This family makes Lakeside their church home. Now, here's my question. Here's my question. Who, who won them to the Lord? Who won them to the Lord? Was it just the guy up here? No! It was a team effort. Every one of us, every one of us faithfully exercising our callings, our ministries, our giftings, being found faithful to what God has called us to, moving in that gifting and that ability, blessed by God, had a part in them. Even those that gave in the offering had a part in winning that family for Jesus Christ. That's why I call it Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside. Say it with me. Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside. Team. Come on, say it like you mean it. Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside. My, my. We need to get excited about Team Lakeside. We get more excited about Go Blue than Team Lakeside. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Imagine. Imagine a team of just one in volleyball. I don't care if you're Frank Iafredi and you're six foot eight and you're the Michael Jordan of volleyball. I don't care if you're the most stupendous gifted player of all. When my team of six is done with you, you're going to be a loser. It is highly, highly, highly improbable, no matter how gifted you are, to win a volleyball game against a team when you're only a team of one. You follow me? If not impossible. There are no lone rangers in the ministry, in God's economy called the church. God has designed the church to be diverse in giftings but unified in calling. And there's no lone rangers. There's nobody that has all the giftings, especially the guy with the microphone right now. There's nobody that is called by God to do a three-ring circus and we all become spectators. We're called by God to discover what, what has God called you to? What are your giftings? What's your ministry? Be found faithful on that day of days when you will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. When that grips your heart, you'll never be the same person. I'll tell you in this, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, that one part of the body cannot say to the other part of the body, I have not need of you. I don't care what age you are. I don't care how new you are to the faith. I need you. You need me. We need one another. Together, as a team, God can bring about a miracle here at Lakeside. Together as a team, by faith, we can speak to the mountains, and they will move in the name of Jesus. Lastly, as a spiritual fellowship, God has called Lakeside to be His caring team. His caring team. Acts 4.34. Look at Acts 4.34. Did I give you point three, by the way? You know, all of a sudden that hit me. Just write down sharing. The anointing came down and I took off without my notes. I'm sorry. Sharing. Just write down sharing. 
Now write down caring. Acts 4.34 There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Two dynamics, two dynamics, two dynamics are found here in Acts chapter 4. Sharing and caring. I thank the Lord for the sharing of ministry that has taken place here at Lakeside. One night a pastor had a dream. It was a dream of the church. The church was sitting at a banquet table. We're going to sit out here at our homecoming Sunday tables. But the strange thing about this dream, the strange thing about this dream was the fact that everybody had boards tied to their arms so that they couldn't bend their elbows. In the old days, if you had a child that couldn't, could not quit sucking their thumb, you'd tie a board to their arm. Anybody know of anybody that their parents tied a board to, you know, quick thumb sucking? Well, all of his church people, all of his church people had boards tied to their arms at the church banquet. And he said, Lord, what are you trying to show me? Because none of them could feed themselves. Because they couldn't bend their elbow. But they could do this. Pick up a spoon, scoop up some food, and feed the person next to them. And the person next to them fed the one that was doing the feeding. And the Lord told him in this vision, this is my idea of the church. Feeding and receiving. Receiving and feeding. Becky and I want to thank you we have three born-again children baptized in the Holy Spirit. Two are already in the full-time ministry. One, well, we're praying for her. No. <laughs> she's at Christian University. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's in love again. Oh, man. I mean, hardly a week into semester. Anyway. I want to thank you. Most of you that come to our services, you sit in here and you just see us on the stage. You don't see what goes on behind the scenes. My three children have come up through nursery ministry, Sunday school, missionettes, Royal Rangers, youth ministry, Bible quiz, youth ministry, and these have been formative in their spiritual growth, in their lives. They're living for God today. Yes, they had godly parents, but because of a church that shared ministry, shared time, shared talent, shared their tithe to make it possible for my children to be walking with God today. And Becky and I say thank you to you. That's a sharing church. A caring church goes beyond just ministering inside the walls of the church. A caring church is propelled by love, real love. We've discovered, as I've preached to you for years now, that love 
is more than a feeling. I have a cousin in San Diego that wanted to find the wife of his dreams, so he went on an ocean cruise. And he called back to his parents and said, I think I'm in love. And his dad wired back and said, you got motion sickness. <laughs> he ended up finding a girl on a cruise and marrying her, and they got a wonderful marriage, a godly marriage, a godly family. Now, it might work. I don't know. <laughs> Love's not a feeling, though. Would you agree with me? Love is more than words. How many have I had up here on the sacred altar and, and the, the sacred marital vows of I do have ended up becoming I don't? Love is more than fulfilling your own needs and wants. Reminds me of the gal that just recently wanted to get married and find the, the man of her dreams and she hired a matchmaking computer service and she logged in her criteria. Uh, I want a man that will be entertaining. I want a man that will constantly make me happy and make me laugh. I want a man that will take me places. I want a man that will take me around the world. I want a man that will always listen to me. I want a man that will be silent when I want him to. I want a man that uh, will always be there for me. The results came back. The results came back. Go out and buy a television. Real love. Real love. Jesus said that real love goes beyond feeling. It goes beyond words. It goes beyond your wants and your desires. Jesus said, Jesus didn't say this. Jesus didn't say, you felt sorry for me when I was hungry. You felt ashamed of me when I was naked. You were sympathetic when I was in prison. You hurt for me when I was in the hospital. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you came to me. When I was sick, you visited me. Jesus measured the depth of real love, not by what we feel, what we think, what we say, what we want, but by what we do what we do. If you're checking out Lakeside, I want you to know you're checking out a church. You're checking out Team Lakeside that believes that ministry goes well beyond teaching Sunday school classes. That ministry can be mowing somebody's front lawn that's an elderly person. I've never been more proud of you, my Lakeside family. When I go to a funeral, and the family is crushed. I'm supposed to be there. I'm the pastor. You don't have to be there. But my Lakeside family, Team Lakeside, is standing in line to hug that one that is hurting, to pray with them, to comfort them in the name of Jesus. I've never been more proud than when I've run into you at the hospital. I ran into one of you at the nursing home this week when I visited Tony Vandenberg and one of you came in right behind me to comfort, to pray, to be a blessing. Uh, this is a caring church. 
We have a men's ministry that has gone out and time and time again has repaired a porch, has built a handicap ramp for our elderly. Uh, yes, we give to the community, but I'm talking about caring for our brothers and sisters right here in our congregation. I'm talking about Team Lakeside. I wove into a sermon just recently how one of our elderly saints here in the church, uh, her, her, her yard was overgrown. Her, she couldn't keep up with it. And it's the only place that she can live. And here, I was hoping that one of you'd pick up on it and come to me. And here, I didn't know it had already been taken care of the day before. But one of the men of the church, uh, he didn't need a preacher to preach at it. The Holy Spirit already prompted him to go and be a blessing. It was just a couple of weeks ago that I preached about outreach, serving the needy. And here I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know that the day before, Cordelia Parham, one of our foster mothers in the church, who has literally fostered mother over a hundred girls through her home that have suffered so much abuse, she needed to move from her house over here in the subdivision to an apartment. And there, did, there was no grand appeal. No word went out. Our young people, our, young, our precious young, our students, student nation arose up and worked all day long under Pastor Ryan to help move Cordelia Parham. And they did it for the glory of the Lord. A caring church. Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside. Team Lakeside, a spiritual fellowship, more than a congregation, a church family. In the old days, when I grew up, we used to call one another brother and sister, Brother Jones, Sister Jones. We don't do that any longer. We're worried it's going to make us feel old. But sir, ma'am, there's nothing more precious than knowing you're my brother. You're my sister. And we're held together in the faith, the faith Christ Jesus. Rachel Carrada, where are you at? Oh, there you are. Wave your hand up in the air, Rachel. Rachel's one of my dear, dear friends that's been hanging out with us since the old church. That means more than 20-some years ago, 25 years ago. And uh, Rachel will tell you that her favorite, favorite, favorite sermon illustration that pastor gives is about the little girl at night scared to death because of the thunder and the lightning like what happened Friday night yeah she's in bed and she's just shaking in her blankets because the lightning was crackling through the sky like a flashbulb and the thunder was roaring. And so mom and daddy, they heard running down the hallway of the home the pitter-patter of little feet. The door flung open and she dove in a flying leap right between them in bed. And daddy already knew what he was going to tell her. Honey, honey, what's wrong? It's the lightning storm. It's scaring me so much, Daddy. Well, Jesus is with you. Jesus' love will protect you. His loving presence is all over. You don't have to fear it. Now go back because Jesus' love is with you. She went back 
and she lasted just as long as what? The next crackle of lightning and the boom of thunder and the feet come running down the hallway like Superman. She dove in between them and Daddy said, Honey, I told you that Jesus' love would be with you. With tears running down her cheeks, she looked at her daddy and said, But daddy, daddy, I need love with skin on. <laughs> My dear team Lakeside, if there's anything for you to remember about being a fellowshipping church, it's that you have been called to make the invisible visible to the world and especially to each other. For by their love for one another, Jesus said they will know that you are my disciples. Team Lakeside, you've been called to be God's love with skin on. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask and pray this morning, O Lord, that you would come, 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 sweet Holy Spirit, and seal into our spirit your word, your word that we are called to be a revelation of your love, especially to each other, our brothers and our sisters in Christ, that we're to be love with skin on. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You might be thinking, I can't love people like that. How do you love people like that? I'll tell you how. Jesus did not enjoy the cross. The Bible says that Jesus endured the cross. What held Jesus on the cross? What kept Jesus on the cross. Don't say the nails. Love. Love. He loved you. He saw you. He knew you. His love wanted to keep you out of hell. And so he went the distance. He shed his blood as they ridiculed him and mocked him and spat upon him. And then he died for you. What do you do with love like that? What will you do with his love this morning? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and please no looking around. But isn't it time, isn't it time you said yes? to the love of God in, in Jesus? Isn't it time you said yes to Jesus? He's here this morning. You don't have to change one thing in your life. He will come into your life and change you from the inside to the outside. All you have to do is open the door to your heart. He won't force His way in. He's here right now. I'm prepared to pray a prayer. A prayer that will make you right with God. A prayer that will give you a home in heaven. All you need to do is act in faith. 
I'm just going to ask you to act in faith if you want to be included in this prayer that will change your life now and give you a home in heaven. I'm going to ask you this morning, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you want to be included in this prayer, if you want to accept the love of Jesus, just lift up your hand right now. Lift it up. God bless you. 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 How many more this morning? God bless you. Amen. How many more this morning? Lift it up high. You don't want to go down on, on the record as rejecting the love of Jesus. You don't want to be written down in the record of the book of heaven that you've rebelled against. Yes, God bless you. Yes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hands lifted up. Nine hands for Jesus. Nine hands for Jesus. Everyone pray this prayer with me, especially you that have lifted up your hands. Keep those hands lifted up. This is a sign of your faith, your acceptance of His love, Jesus. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now, just as I am. I confess I've sinned, but Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. Make me clean. Wash me. Fill me with your love. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection power, resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for cleansing me, for making me brand new. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.